This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. I'm Troy L. Smith, reporter for Cleveland.com and host of CLE Rocks, the music podcast from the birthplace of rock and roll. On October 27, 2001, we recorded a live episode of the podcast focused on Tina Turner and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with a panel of special guests at the Music Box Supper Club in Cleveland's Flats. Here is that recording in all its glory. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Music Box. Thank you so much. This is uh, a new series that we're launching tonight. Uh, in association with uh, uh, Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer, it's called Cleveland Rocks. Clee Rocks. Uh, the, the series actually was launched uh, uh, many months ago uh, by Troy Smith, uh, uh, and uh, it's actually doing really well in the paper. He's been developing it as a podcast, also. So. You guys, just by being here, agree to be on the podcast, okay? Uh, but Music Box is uh, very excited to be uh, the uh, site for this event. I'm going to turn this over quickly. Uh, and again, folks, uh, enjoy the night. This is something special. Thanks, Mike. So Mike kind of lied to you guys. We're actually an acapella group, and we're going to sing for you. Take it away, Barry. <laughs> uh, first of all, thank you everyone for being here. CLE Rocks is a podcast I started over a year ago, and it quickly evolved into looking back at memorable concerts that came through Northeast Ohio, or, you know, in any generation. And the cool thing is, you guys, the fans, are a major part of the podcast because a lot of these things I wasn't alive for. <laughs> so. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, we've gone as far back as uh, the Beatles, you know, at, at the stadium. We've done Rolling Stones. We've done Led Zeppelin, Pearl Jam, Nirvana. It's been <laughs> so long ago. Um, so <laughs> not that long ago. So it's really exciting to have you guys here and be able to do a live broadcast. Uh, and, of course, tonight... We are focusing on Tina Turner, the great Tina Turner. She will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the second time in just a few days. That's right. It is about time. So we thought it'd be perfect to focus on her with this, and then we'll, we'll dive a little bit into the rest of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees later on and just get excited for that event. Um, and now... I'm going to introduce our awesome panel. And I've been waiting for this because I've wanted, I decided to start with Barry Gable from which Live is, Nation. Which is appropriate. That's right, the senior vice president <laughs> of marketing and sponsorship sales for the Live Nation. Barry, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Age, age before beauty, that's oh what boy. I say. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm sorry. I have your bio written down here, but it's pretty lengthy. So um, let, I'm going to say okay, 40 years in the entertainment industry. 42 years? Okay, but who's counting? The last bio, bio I found, you said 38, so I was trying to do the math in my head, you know, but 42 years, wow. First with Belkin when you moved here, 
And, and then now with Live Nation. Yes, correct. Okay. <laughs> also, guys, if you weren't able to get Foo Fighters tickets to the pop-up show on Thursday, this is the man to talk to right here. I'm just kidding. Barry knows that he, you know, I know his phone was blowing up, so <laughs> that was a tough day. That's a hot ticket, that's for sure. This would be a great show. Cycling Green Day played the House of Blues, you know, and they just dropped it on everybody, and it's, it was the same thing. It's crazy. Uh, talk to me a little bit. Okay, they call you Barry on the Run. That's the nickname because you're everywhere, right? Whether you're touring with uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra, you might be at Blossom Music Center, at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, you might be in Pittsburgh. Um, what's, you know, what's your life like? You know, well, what is it like to be Barry on the Run? Well, thankfully, I get paid by the mile. <laughs> so, no, it's, it's a blast. I want to call out my, my people I work with, Stacy Harper, who actually started working with me maybe five or six months before I started with Belkin in 79. So she's yeah, been with... Yeah. She's actually the one. She's first in, last out. I come in and I sort of tap dance. I come in, uh, you know, uh, for catering, see the show, hit the road. Um, and Sue Sendis, who's been our ticket queen for a million years. Um, so thank you. We're in the, in the trenches. Um, so the day-to-day, -day, I mean, it, God, if, you, if, it's, if it's the last two years, um, it's been a rough, rough struggle uh, for anybody that's in the entertainment industry. Uh, but it's nice to go to shows. It's nice to um, be in the... I love to say that I'm in the memory-making business. And there's nothing like being at a show when a band is playing a hit song and the lights come on and people are freaking going crazy. And, you know, I, I got a chance to experience that with um, Harry, Lyle, Harry Styles the other day. Great show. Um, it was a great show. And I took a couple of pictures. I felt like I was Barry Styles. It was really... <laughs> Great to be out at shows, but at Blossom this summer, it was the same thing. You know, it was nice to be um, at shows. But doing it for 42 years and working with the Belkins, and literally when they started in 66, it was um, the wild, wild west, and nobody knew what was going on. And uh, we just sort of held on to their coattails and enjoyed some of the most incredible experiences from, from like you said, doing the Stones at the stadium, um, Springsteen's first shows, you know, at the Allen Theater, and... Um, and, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't say in the four sold-out nights with Michael Stanley out at Blossom Music Center. Um, all of these shows, you know, the days that you would have totally changed, totally, totally changed in selling tickets. Um, but um, I'm here to talk about Tina. I mean, in the old days, you would buy one radio station, talk to Kid Leo, and he would announce <laughs> the show, and the shows would sell out. Now, the Kid Leo is the Internet, and... Facebook sells our the tickets. The kid Leo is a kid. <laughs> yeah. So I love, still love doing it. It's still, you know, hearing this song and being involved with that. If I lost the passion, it'd be a different, it'd be a different piece. But it really still is fun to hear a hit song and see a new band. I'll say this. I knew Barry was a... Oh, drop my phone here. I knew Barry was a Tina super fan because, because he's Barry on the run and I'm a reporter, he's very hard to get a hold of. I'll text or email him all the time. He occasionally responds... I emailed him about Tina Turner, just like that. <laughs> Barry hits me back. I send him a GIF of Tina Turner on the phone, just like that. Barry hits me back. So he's a diehard, and it's awesome to have you here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Awesome. All right, we're going to move on here to Michael Gallucci from Ultimate Classic Rock. How Hi. goes it? Hey. Now... Michael is the managing editor of Ultimate Classic Rock. And what, what I love about him is I've read his stuff for years and years. 
and I had no idea that you were in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Because, um, you know, it's a global site. But another thing about Michael, talk a little bit about your experience, because you spent a significant amount of time with Cleveland Scene, which a lot of people might recognize you. Right, yeah. That. I was there for 10 years. I started as just a writer, and one of my first um, concerts was Tina Turner and what was it, 1999, 2000, something like that. Yeah. Um, eventually became the music editor and was the managing editor there. And I spent 11 years at Scene before I started working at Ultimate Classic Rock. I feel like your audience at Ultimate Classic Rock, you know, really passionate about the rock hall, really passionate about the artists they want to see get in the rock halls. So I'm curious, in your experience, what's the artist you hear about the most? in terms of snubs, someone that the fans are dying to see in the rock hoes, not in? Lots of metal bands. I'm, I'm not the hugest metal fan, but it's, it's just unbelievable because they do seem to be getting snubbed year after year. It's like, why aren't Judas Priest there? Why aren't Iron Maiden in there? So that's what we hear. I mean, because all the other ones they complained about eventually got in. Deep Purple are now right. in, and Journey are now in, so... Now it's like the metal bands is the new cause that we hear about every year. They've been on the ballot. We just got to get them, you know, get them in. All right, next up we have Waka Anwusa. So you're going to put me right after. Yeah. Next. She is the vice president and chief curator at the Rock and Hall of Fame. She's from California originally. She worked as a curator at the Grammy Museum. She's also one of the youngest people in this room, so we are all <laughs> underachievers. <laughs> Compared to Waka. I, I believe she got carded when <laughs> she, she came in. She got in. carded. <laughs> you did get carded, right? When you came in? She, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, you just finished up leading the production and unveiling of the annual inductee exhibit, which features the artifacts from all this year's inductees. Yes. Talk about that experience of putting that exhibit together, but also dealing with publicists for... Jay-Z, Foo Fighters, Tina Turner, to be able to get these items in the Rock Hall. Oh, wow. Well, pleasure to meet all of you. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, you know, put that process, this is, number one, the most historic, I mean, this is a historic induction year. Number one, with two female artists being inducted twice. So, yes, Tina Turner as well as Carol King, who is also being inducted twice. Um, the first time was with Stevie Nicks in 2019. Um, with that, that was the first time that that happened. So this year is really special for that reason. Also, this is the largest class of inductees that we've ever had, with the number of 13 inductees. So the process of dealing with managers and publicists, <laughs> with some of the biggest stars. I mean, we have a billionaire on the ballot. You know, we have a billionaire we're inducting. Um, the, it, I mean. You could imagine the phone calls, um, just how people are protecting their brands, um, you know, what their image is looking like. I mean, so this is a very unique class to induct, but a very exciting and active class to induct. Um, it's great to see the activity of the Go-Go's, who will be here on Friday doing a program, I mean, weather permitting, we're still having the program. The Go-Go's are here in town. Um, also, L.A., um, got to represent the West Coast. Um, so, I mean, it's really amazing um, just the process overall. Um, but the artifacts, if you haven't seen the exhibit, it is open now. Um, and it's a great collection. Yeah. And Beyonce staying at your house? Is that correct? You tomorrow night. Tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow night. night, okay. Yeah, tomorrow. All right, next so with, up. with 13 <laughs> inductees, it's going to be about a 15-hour show on Saturday. It's going to be a long night. 
Get your coffee night. ready. Get, yeah. <laughs> All right, next up we have legendary rock and roll photographer. <laughs> Jen and Bacasca, I believe behind me is one of your, your great photos of Tina Turner. Yes, this is, this is the glorious goddess that we are here to honor. Um, she's, yeah, this is 1985 at Richfield Coliseum. Um, and we have about like 10 photos from 85 and 10 photos from the 87 Blossom show. But and we'll some never seen. Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I want to yeah, ask I know you. So. I want to ask you about that because I keep thinking you, know, you, you go back. You've been uh, photographing artists since I think '74. Yep. So back then you have a newspaper, so you're submitting your photos. They might use one, two. You know. Yes. So how many of your photos? How much are in the the archives of Jana McCoskey that people have not seen? Well, I was explaining to someone earlier that because Cleveland is such a hot market, we had concerts. Not only every night, you would sometimes have two or three concerts on one night. You know, if you include the Agora, which was a late night, you, you could do a music hall show and the Agora. And then I would go home and process the photos, do the proof sheets, pick out a couple photos to send out. And then you have to turn it around and gear up for the next night because it's all happening every night. So you got to think 95% of everything that I have has really never been seen because you you got to keep up with the flow, you know. Yeah, and I want to plug your book, too, Bruce Springsteen, Live in the Heartland. Thank you. Which you just Thank released you. With, with Pete Chikarian doing the words for it. But that is an opportunity where people can see a lot of the photos you shot yes. of Bruce for over 40 years at and, shows around here. And it's it was really fun for me to do that because, as you mentioned, that artists and and music people had no work for, an, for a year and a half. So during COVID, when I couldn't photograph anybody, anything, um, I was fortunate that an agent out of England um, said, well, who have you photographed a lot? And I had just worked with her on a Bowie book, you know, where I was one of many photographers. And I said, well, I guess next in line would be Bruce Springsteen. And she said, well, send me some of those. And she got back to me immediately and said, we need to do this. And I got to tell you, other than photographing people in the now, um, going back and, and going through all those negatives and color slides, and, and I, of course, would pump up the Bruce Springsteen music while I was doing that, scanning and cleaning up the net. It was like going back in time because I was for every show that, that I worked on those negatives. Also, I wanted to ask you, because I was going through your work today, you have a photo of, I believe you have a photo, correct me if I'm wrong, David Bowie and Tina Turner? That's not mine. No, okay. <laughs> well, let's go. She's sad. <laughs> I was but she was honest. Because I hey, am. Good. The internet Thank lies, you. but you were honest. I was honest. I mean, you know, um, I was talking, but David Bowie, Tina Turner duo, I call it a confrontation or a battle, um, He's he's actually holding his own with Tina Turner, but if you the one with Mick Jagger and Tina, oh Mick Jagger is losing that one mightily. I mean he's he's just like backing up, like oh no 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 no, because I mean he just it was the intensity of this woman, um, and it was fun to watch. <laughs> so okay, that's speaking, off the subject. Well, no, actually speaking, uh, you know, transition here. I have an outline, but I'm gonna bounce around because. I know, Michael, you wrote about, you looked back 
um, this year maybe at Tina and Mick performing at Live Aid. Am I correct? Yeah, that was. Yeah, right. we actually recycled that story. But yeah, I wrote it probably about three or four years ago, and I can't agree with Janet more that he she he was just like. He was both seemed like baffled and surprised and out of his element, which is, I mean, that's, you know, 13 years after, you know, the Stones took Ike and Tina well, on tour with them, too. And, so. that's, and the thing is, I think for, for all these artists, older artists, um, he grew up watching Tina Turner. And, and when you get in a position where you've got a hero and an idol and you know what she's capable of, and now you're going head to head, it's like, Okay, I don't think I'm winning this one at all. I just ought to go back and hide behind a speaker cabinet or something. Walk, I'm curious, what was the vibe like? You, you, know, you probably find out a few days before we do, at least, um, when you saw Tina Turner's name on the final cut for the class of 2021. What was the vibe at the Rock Hall like? I mean, it was excitement. It was, you know, pure excitement. But that, you have to remember, that period we did a fan vote. So we were doing this virtual fan vote, and... It was split between Fela at night because of the time zone and Tina and Tina during the day when we're, you know, in our time zone. So it was really interesting to see that flop. And so I'm I'm Nigerian American. Hey. Um, <laughs> so I was also rooting for Fela because I grew up with him as well. But Tina is such an icon and such an inspiration for me, not just as a a black woman, but just as a woman. Um, so I wanted to see her win. And the fact that this is so historic, first African-American to be inducted twice, female, period. Like, just to break history yet again. She continues to do this. Like, she always just laps herself. I mean, and just, I've only had the opportunity to see some of the concerts that you've produced or read about, read about it in articles. But the fact that we're honoring her in this way is just insane. Her energy is incomparable other than Beyonce who's now on the scene I mean there's no one like Tina Turner period I mean she's in the league of her it's Jackie Wilson James Brown Tina Turner <laughs> yeah, she, she yeah. definitely embodies live performance like yes. nobody else you hit the hit it on the head with those names you mentioned and mm -hmm. you know Springsteen does that same thing yes, but yeah. but there's nothing like what she accomplished and yeah. what you said about when she played at Live Aid in July of 1985, mm -hmm. she literally blew the roof off next to Queen doing their thing in Wembley and what she did in Philadelphia. If you haven't seen that tape, you should see that, yeah. that performance. You can see it online. But nobody performed like her. Yeah, let's cycle through the, the photos, because yeah. I wanted to jump into, so when you look at... That the, yeah. That's yeah, the mouth. That's the yeah. mouth. <laughs> look at that. As you guys know, the story of Tina, obviously, you know, her, her marriage and musical partnership with Ike ends, and then she's doing cabaret in Las Vegas. She's making some TV appearances. You know, then she meets Roger Davies, and, and they formulate this comeback right. plan. Then she hops on Lionel Richie's tour. Keep him going. Yeah, keep him going because we have photos of we have photos of her with Lionel Richie that you shot. I maybe took no? those out. There's a reason. Go ahead. There's a reason those aren't here. But you did shoot Lionel I, Richie and well, Tina Turner. Yeah, I'll, I'll just ex explain that when Roger Davies and um, Tina got together, she was a Vegas act. Right. Okay, and she didn't. He didn't want her to be a Vegas act and, and, and tried to push the record companies into doing a pop rock kind of 
you know, it's changing her career totally. Um, so she did Private Dancer. And before that even came out, um, Lionel Richie took her on tour as an opening act, which was 1984. Um, she played Blossom here. And it was Richfield. Because Belkin, Barry, you, got, you guys at Belkin put that show yeah. on. So okay. Well, okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, There's, I, I will say this. It, it took me a while, and Barry had to correct me at, like months ago as well, because the internet lies, right. as we as said. <laughs> June 1984. Okay. Back-to-back back nights. Yep, back-to-back back nights. And so the audience is, is totally coming out to see Lionel Richie. I believe that. And, in fact, I was shooting for 16 Magazine, believe it or not. For Lionel Richie, I don't know. And Tina comes on, and she, I don't know, maybe she got 45 minutes or something. And she did a couple songs with Lionel. By the time that tour was over, Private Dancer had, had come out. And she was featuring one or two songs. And then it just blew up. Private Dancer had seven hit singles on it. And so in 85, it's like... Lionel, you stand over there. And, and I don't want to fast forward too far, but at the on in two thousand, yeah. Lionel opened for her. Right. Yes. <laughs> Talk about right. And that was the Can't Slow Down tour when she first went on that. But was tour sixteen with magazine still around yeah. at that point for you to? <laughs> they actually they they closed up quickly after the two oh. thousands. This is eighty seven. Um, oh, yes. Barry, that's I wanted, blossom. Yeah, that is blossom. Okay. Barry, I wanted to ask you, because you're in the industry, you know, and you guys are putting on the Lionel show at Richfield, the tour. What was the vibe like in the industry for Tina, who was making her comeback at that time? Well, um, I remember, actually, it was one of the earlier dates. We did the um, one of the first dates in Cincinnati um, in May, and then she played there in, um, in June with Lionel. Um, and I, I, I absolutely remember Ken Cragen being there. Ken was um, Lionel's manager at the time, and Roger... And um, it was really a love fest. I mean, I even remember spent. I didn't spend any time with Tina at all, but Lionel um, was available pretty pretty much. And um, he, like Janet said, he was. Uh, they gave her 40, 45 minutes, and she came out and did another couple of songs with with him. But it was intense for that forty five minutes. I mean, every song you know was a, a hit and. Before the tour started, they put out the single "Let's Spend, Let's uh, Let's Stay Together." Yeah, and that came out in '83, yeah, yeah, and that was that. on Private Dancer. But that's how this career turned around. That record came out, and the years from when that tour that she was on with Lionel, and then '84, '85, it was fucking incredible. It blew up because if just remember what they had: Mad Max, Thunderdome came out. And she was yes, right you know, off that tour. She went into anti 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 something anti. People know Auntie Anthony. Yeah. And then um, the Live Aid in a, the same year, the, the seven hit singles. The Grammys. That, the she, Grammys. Yeah. It, was, it was insane, that, that period of time from 83 to 85. Michael, you, you guys at Ultimate Classic Rock, you write about all the, the legends. I, Tina was in, what, her mid-40s when Private Dancer came out already? Yeah. I mean, have, have you ever seen, can you compare any comeback no, like and, and you know when I was just thinking about things, topics that we might hit on. Um, I don't think any comeback has ever compared to hers because it yeah. was. I mean, and and it's the music for sure, but it's just the story behind it. I mean, like she was, she was 
basically doing this Vegas stuff, and she came out. And I know Barry was talking about let's stay together, but I remember seeing that like on MTV, probably on a Sunday night. And I don't know if it was on one of their late night shows, but it was like late at night, and that first minute where it's just Tina alone singing that, it was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. And I, I still, that's still my favorite song on the album. And I, I listened to it again today, and I still get goosebumps like listening to that first acapella minute with her. It's just amazing. You know, well, I just want I, I, I really believe that the folks at that time who knew her story, um, this, this goes along with her comeback. For her to get away from Mike, who, you know, beat her and humiliated her and took it, didn't, she left that house and, and didn't ask for anything except her name. And the judge gave her that. And walked away with nothing. Well, walked away with herself. I mean, and she had been working towards that moment by kind of secretly um, becoming a Buddhist and chanting and making herself stronger and and her her courage was, you know, building for that move. And so everybody who did know that story, I'm sure attached a good part of her, her, the fiber of her being to to wishing her and wanting her to be successful. And so it's, it's that much more a victory because you know how hard she had to work as a, as a human being for that. And yeah, and this, and this wasn't, you know, in this era, this isn't Tina's comeback coming at a time at a lull for pop music that she could sneak in there. I mean, this is a huge time for pop music. Michael Jackson, Prince, Springsteen, Madonna, and Barry, right, she's up there with all of them at that time. And putting them all to shame, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so private dancer tour. When she, she goes on tour with Lionel, private dancer takes off, goes number one. She's one of the biggest stars in the world. What was the anticipation like when she comes back to Richfield for the headlining tour? Man, it's, it's, it's like a, a prize fighter who just won the championship <laughs> or something. It's like, yeah, come on, Tina. And she, she just comes out and, and takes over. I mean, you, you, there aren't smiles big enough to, to describe the looks of everybody in this room because we all, we all were, were just sending love and energy. And she, and she was victorious. I mean, this is, this is what she wanted. There's, um, I don't know if it's in this documentary that just came out this year about Tina, but she says she had had seen or wished or dreamt herself in stadiums, singing to stadiums full of people. And man, she was she was she was there. Seven hit singles, um, a monumental album, a headlining tour, and and it, stadiums really weren't that far behind because if it weren't in America, it was in some of these foreign countries where a hundred thousand people would show up to see her. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll get to the Break Every Rule tour with, but it's, you know, the Rio show was 180,000, you know, you know. So, so it, when she went on tour in 85, she did 177 dates worldwide that, that and that, I don't even know, I didn't, I, I should have looked on Wikipedia how many, how long the tour went, but I know that, because Stacy probably loaded in pretty much every show on that <laughs> tour that, that we did, because she was in Toledo, just in Ohio alone, um, it was Toledo on August 21st, Richfield Coliseum on the 22nd, Cincinnati on August 25th, 1985, Columbus on the 29th, 
at Patel Hall. I don't even know if anybody ever has been to a show at Patel Hall. It's part of the Ohio <laughs> Center Downtown oh, Convention funny. Center. It's a funky, funky place, but we could do 8,000 people. Um, and that was, at that time, one of the biggest venues that they had down there. Um, so she literally was playing up and down 77 um, the whole time. Uh, we also played her in Charleston. I don't think we played her in Erie, but she played Pittsburgh, Detroit. In the Midwest, she was on all, you know, every one of those shows. And I believe Glenn Fryer was the opening act, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he had, you know, uh, Smuggler's Blues out. That was yeah, his, that album out. My, yeah. Waka, you guys have one of the dresses from the Private Dancer video, which I think is briefly in the video, but then yes. she wore it. I think she wore it on tour as well. She wore it on tour. She wore it in an interview with an MTV VJ, um, Mara. I can't think of her last name right now, but Mara um, wore this. Mara compliments Tina and is like, I absolutely love this dress. <laughs> Tina gives the dress to Mara. So that's the story behind what you'll see in, in the exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Tina gave her the dress. I mean, it just shows you her heart. Janet was just talking about the, you know, her character and Buddhism and all of that, but just the heart of giving, just giving love, that togetherness. So she gave that dress to her. Mara then loaned it to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that's the story behind how we have that, which I think is pretty, pretty amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Mike, you have to see those dresses too because they look like they come up, you know, they're like this. <laughs> they're so, they're so. Small. Always yeah. about the legs, baby. Yeah. Always about the legs. <laughs> legs. Absolutely. Michael, when, when you guys do these retrospectives where you count down albums and you look at albums, when you look back at the Private Dancer album, what comes to mind in terms of its legacy for you? Just that year. I mean, Purple Rain, Born in the USA. Both came out that year. Um, Pretenders had Learning to Crawl. And I'm, I love like Replacements and R.E.M. And Re Replacements, Let It Be was that year. And the thing is, Private Dancer was there. And if it wasn't for probably Born in the USA and Purple Rain coming out, that would have been the best album of the year. I mean, any other year, that probably would have been album of the year. But unfortunately, you know, she also was up against Purple Rain, which God knows, you know, yeah. Yeah. who doesn't love that album? And born in the USA, but you know, I mean, it's st it's still one of my favorite all-time years for albums because so many classics. I mean, mm -hmm. I I don't know if anyone can actually think of another year, uh, you know, besides 1984, where almost every single album in the top five could have been like a number one album. You know, yeah. you know, Janet, we have these photos behind us. Talk me through. You know, we've talked before, and there's a list of artists you have that were the all-time, they were special when you shot them. What was it like being in the pit or wherever you were to, to see Tina doing her thing? Because when you watch her live, there's subtle things she does. A wink. You know, there's just... The lips. <laughs> I know. This the is, head cocked back. Yeah, I mean, this is so... She this just is, knew how to play to the it's, camera. It's at, see that attitude? It's like, man, it's confidence. It's... it's it, she's got it, man, and uh, yeah, she, and Mick Jagger's not going to win. <laughs> uh, and I like that. I mean, I like that she was that confident. I, I hope and I trust that she was in real life, but she had so much to overcome to, to get to that, that centered place. What was it like? Well, you can't lose. I mean, you can't lose with, with her. You just... If you give me three songs, which is probably what I had, um, 
it's, it's not that everyone is a winner, but 95% of the shots that you do are, are beyond good. They're great. They're You know, and another point that Janet will um, agree to, and under, a lot of the photographers these days, they get to shoot from the soundboard, which is, you know, half a mile away. Um, and back in those days, you could actually shoot from the pit or in yep. front of the pit or inside the pit, and you really were able to capture these yep. kind. Uh, yeah, the cameras are phenomenal now, mm -hmm. but you are, I mean, these pictures, you can see the expressions and the sweat and the emotion. And, and, and there's a difference to me, because the last Springsteen show I shot at the Q in 2016, I was, I was at the soundboard with a big giant lens that I had to rent, one of those things that they, football games that you have to use for football <laughs> yeah. games. Um, and I gotta tell you, being in front of an artist, a musician, someone who's just, you know, giving their energy and emotion and, and the sound of it, and it, you're, you're picking their energy up. And if I'm six feet away, is that the respectable COVID distance, <laughs> six feet away? That's I correct. Um, you're, you're, it's, it's hitting you, which means it's translating into the images too. So it's not that I didn't like the photos that I shot of Bruce in 2016, but there was a marked difference because if you're in front of an artist that totally works on that energy, emotion level, um, you're just, you're picking up photos that you couldn't get any other way except for standing in front of them. And you shot the Break Every Rule tour as yeah. well, uh, yeah. which that was at Blossom, right? Uh, well, if it was at Blossom during a certain time, Belkin did not do any shows there. I think so it's... I have selective memory on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. what I wanted to ask you guys, because you guys have been, you know, you've seen Tina live, when you look at her set list, when you go to online and you look at her previous set list, yeah. they're divided up into acts. So what is it like? Because I'm assuming ah. she's going from stunning outfit to stunning outfit. It's like, you know, a movie almost. And, and the other part about that, which when she would go out with her, the, uh, as Janet was saying, the Vegas act or with Ike, they had the Ikeettes. And when she started doing her own show, they put all the backup dancers behind. And it was just her on stage, too. So that's a key point on people watching her, her and her band. I don't remember the band. They had The band stayed together for a long period of time. They had a keyboard saxophone player that I forget, but looked like... Yeah, oh, yeah. Right, yeah. Fabio. I kept Fabio. calling him Fabio. I he can't was, remember his he name. Was a big, giant guy, and, and, and part of his deal was to flex while he, he was... Flex while he was playing, you know, yeah. the saxophone or the keyboard. He was in, he was in a movie. Yeah. Right? Was he in Lost And Boys? he was shirtless, yeah. too, right? Yeah. Was yeah. he shirtless? Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. This is all on YouTube. This is how yeah. I've seen them. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yes. Um, but she did a lot of costume changes, and that probably, you know, like most of the, the uh, artists that are solo, whether probably more female artists, although David Bowie did a lot of changes too. Um, but they would change three, four times, and, you know, the changing room would pee right off the back of the stage, you know, and the, and I got and I got to believe that's a leftover from from the Vegas yeah. review no days question. and things yeah. 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 What do you remember, you know, when we started planning this and we did a we did a focus on a podcast episode on Tina Turner's private dancer tour and Barry participated in that so did Janet um a lot of stuff a lot of fans that I talked to they really talk about the Break Every Rule tour. You know, they have memory really great memories of that as some of you probably do. 
What do you remember about that tour? Because that went overseas and was huge. And she huge. was setting records. I, I think it's just the fact that those years she's she's growing. She's 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 got in '85. Yeah, she's having hits, and people are rediscovering her or discovering her for the first time. But by '87, you don't have to discover her. I mean, she's a world superstar, and. Um, I think it just takes on that larger dimension. She she could handle. I mean, it, it, I don't think she changed. She she had more material and more hits and more costumes probably. Probably. Uh, but but she just you know uh, this is a woman who trained f her entire life and got her stage uh, persona set and 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 I don't think you had to give her anything more except. You gave her more success, and she just went out and, and said, oh, yeah, okay, I'm up here right now. Okay, well, I'm going to perform beyond that. Right. And that's what she did. Yeah. Michael, when you get to the later tours, because I know you reviewed uh, both shows in 2000, I think, for Scene. There were two, or you saw two, right. two of those shows. Um, was there a moment, it, it kind of seemed like when you research it, you know, Tina's out of the public eye now. It seemed like she was kind of getting to that point for a while, right? Because a lot of the tours were you know, farewell tours or might right, be right. retirement tours, right? Yeah. Um, it was weird because this was billed as a farewell tour, so... In 2000. Right. Yeah. And, you know, we all pretty much know what farewell tours are. They come out and they just do their act and their same set every night and it, nothing is changed. And I went into that show just expecting that and even though she had nothing to prove by that point, and that, that she ever needed to, she was still working harder than anyone else I'd seen on stage. I mean, this was supposed to be a farewell tour, a victory lap for her. Just go out there, do your hits, and leave. And she wasn't, she was sweating. She played like a two-hour set, and she was doing the costume changes. She was playing like a woman half her age up there. And it was, it, it, was, it blew me over, because I honestly, at that point, was just burned out from covering so many shows, and I was like, Okay, another big arena show. By that third song, I was like, oh my God, you know, she hasn't lost anything here. So. And that was a 24 7 tour, I think. Right, yeah. 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 And you At mentioned later in a career, Lionel opening for well, her. Well, then it, uh, on that, when it finally was, the they call it the 50th anniversary of her career, she did go out and she asked Lionel to join her. That was around 2008. Um, I know she played 2007 at Gundarina or something like that. But that was interesting how he, uh, she brought him um, on tour with her. And uh, there's an honest love affair between those two. Absolutely. Can, can I ask Nawaka on um, induction night? Who is inducting her? Angela Bassett. <gasps> yes. There you go. All right. That's Angela great. Bassett. Yeah. Yes. So that's who, who played amazing. Tina in. in Yes, yeah. absolutely okay. amazing. That's I have cool. to say on the 50th, I was still at, with the Grammy Museum, and so we would go to the Grammy shows, and there was this performance with Beyonce and Tina. You know, for, and so to see Tina and Beyonce performing side by, and to your point, and this is in the two, 2000, 2008, really giving Beyonce a run for her money, and there's commentary of Beyonce being like, holy shit, like, oh my God, like, I'm out of breath, like, okay, ladies, we need to have another rehearsal, and Tina's like, I'm done, like, I've been there, done that, like, we're, but to watch that show, and there's a moment when you watch this video of, like, someone steps on Tina's foot, and just talk about the professionalism 
of a comeback and like there's never any mistakes with Tina but there's if you go on YouTube you'll see this video and there's a moment Tina's recovery is just the finesse on that is absolutely insane lies in front of millions I mean it's just Incomparable. So, well, and, that's, yeah. and that's probably the main point of that show that I saw. Oh, she was just so professional. Yeah. I mean, she just never really broke from that ever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of in Noak, It's one of those perfect storm sort of inductions because you had uh, the the Broadway musical a couple years ago, and then you had the the documentary, and right. then she gets in. So really. If she didn't get in after she was on the ballot, people oh, there would have gonna... been a whole problem. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, I think the metalheads and the Tina heads would have come together on that one. Like, no, no. Well, they have the Let same hair. In. Yeah, the same. yeah. There we go. <laughs> the queen of rock. I mean, here she is. Yeah. You know, a, a quick sidebar story to the play, and um, so f with me, uh, everything is six degrees of separation with Trans Siberian Orchestra, and the, this is a true story. The girl that plays. Uh, Tina on Broadway, Adrienne Warren, was in Trans-Siberian Orchestra at a certain point in her career. She was also in Bring It On, uh, a couple of other plays on Broadway. But in the documentary where uh, Tina came in to the West End Theater to see her perform there, mm -hmm. she was at that time probably 78, 79, something like that, mm -hmm. giving Adrienne a run for her money yes. just like yes. Beyonce, yes. giving the the... She started thinking, you know how to do the pony? Let me show you how to do the pony. <laughs> and, and in the documentary, Tina says that, that going to the premiere of that is sort of her goodbye to right, that her was American the goodbye. fans. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't expect to see her at the ceremony. But you have a, no, you're don't making that cringe. Okay. Yeah, we don't expect to see her. I was going to hope you were going to say, wrong. No. We don't expect <laughs> to see her. But what I can say, I mean, if you watched the inductions last year, you know it was a, you know, the televised special on HBO. So we can expect... Some televised moments, and there'll be some. So you can. We're still in COVID, you know, still a pandemic. So, yeah, but she will not be here. We can confirm that, unfortunately. But she does have an all-star cast of performers. Right? Uh, Brian Adams is yeah. going to be there. Gosh, yeah. And uh, yeah. Christina Aguilera. Christina. Some people were questioning that online, but. Look, hey, well, look, it's going to be an amazing show. <laughs> She's got a phenomenal voice. Plus, yeah. Plus, you got to go with people who, who do have their influences, in the, and, and I would totally absolutely. understand if Tina Turner was an influence for Christina, Christina Aguilera. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just saying, Beyonce may likely be in the building, so you know, if the mood up. strikes her, we get she some proud can step Mary. Up. That's the beauty of the show. You never know. You, Anything yeah. really can happen she in those She can step moments. up. Yeah. I'm, I'm willing to see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to be there for that. Yeah. Uh, before, you know, before we'll take some questions or comments from you guys in the audience, um, I just want to go through, because we are talking about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ceremony that's taking place on Saturday. It was a really awesome induction class. It's yeah. really fully loaded. Each of you, and it's, a, it's a big question, but if you could put one artist in the Rock Hall that's not in there currently, who would you go with? Oh, God. Oh, in front of all these people, they, Troy, hey. he really doesn't. Own it. it. Own it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Absolutely not, because my musical choice changes every single day. And, so, and no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I I'm can't not, do it either. So, no, like, I'm we're all bailing it. on you. Wait, no, it will. Maybe, maybe. I'm not going to do that either. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it's no, Michael. Part of Michael has written about these sort of things, so he might. Come yeah. on. Warren Zevon, to me, he's never ah, been on the Very ballot. nice, yes. Why, you know, he should be there. He's, yeah. all, other artists love him. Yeah. He has a huge devoted fan base. Yeah. 
great albums, and I don't think he's ever been nominated, right? Yeah, no. So, no. Oh, no. no, I don't think so. And you, and, and to your credit, I, I don't know when you wrote it, but I think you wrote, you know, Five Reasons, Carol King. Oh, should be yeah. inducted as a performer, yeah, and, and, and that came to fruition. So yep. that's really awesome. Yeah, I wrote that last year. So. Amazing. So. Cheers. Uh, do you guys have questions or comments for these guys? Anybody? We have one. Okay, there's a microphone. There's a wireless that uh, we're gonna get. Uh, Mike Miller's coming with it. I'll come down. You know, I've been racking my brain to think, would there be an artist that could do and have a comeback based on radio and just the nature of the landscape of music? It was the time that helped. It was a time, it was really a a unique moment to be able to see her um, regain that that glory. I keep thinking, okay, who do I love that has sort of fallen on hard times that really can do that kind of comeback. Right. And no it, one. Yeah. Not at that caliber. I yeah. mean, and what right. you just dropped about the seminal albums that have come out oh, yeah. in that period, that's just, I mean, that, that truly is a mic drop. Right, like, that she was actually able to do that. Yeah, you know? insane. Uh, who had a question? I, and those you. all around the world, most nowadays, they just sit their ass in Vegas and make people come to them <laughs> there, you know. And yeah. Selena and will play it. there for five years, exactly. or Rod Stewart will play, or Cher. Nothing wrong with that, but yeah. they, the gruel, of being in a plane and a bus and a right. limo, it's it's you're an indentured servant on some level, but yeah. you're doing a great job. So. Who had a question over here? Do we have a question? Oh, behind you. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's dark. All right, it's dark. Uh, what was your who was your question for? Uh, what about Todd Rundgren? Oh, he's yeah. I mean, what's going on with him? There's a history here. (laughs) I know, I don't know. Well, Uh, Todd has just said over the years, and I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, I don't know, whatever. I know it is public knowledge, right? Well, yeah, yeah, it's public knowledge that he just isn't keen on the award, being being inducted, having the award, whatever. He's playing... Oh, he's playing Cincinnati. Cincinnati, and he's he's in Canton on Friday. That's our show in Canton. So, he's sticking to the road. It'll be at MGM in November, two shows. Tickets are still available. That's right. Yes, right. He is coming to Cleveland now. The plug. Does anybody else have any questions for these guys or comments? All right, I'm coming back here, and I'll get to you over there. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, For everybody, was uh, that Break Every Rule tour, was that the same tour, Dancing on the Ceiling, or were they two different tours with Lionel? No, the, the tour that she went on with Lionel in 87, excuse me, in um, 84 was Can't Slow Down Tour. That's but Lionel's tour. That was Lionel's yeah. show. I don't, he, she did not perform with him on Dancing on the Ceiling Tour. I'm not sure who was out there. I can't remember. Maybe one more. May have been Cindy uh, Lauper, is, is Cher in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Cher? No. She's never no. been nominated. She's no, not in the she's Rock not, Hall. No, she's not. She's, she's not. not, but there's this I know. awesome Cher. picture. Cher. There's an awesome Cher. picture Cher. of her butt. Thank you. That, you're it's, welcome. It's yes, an awesome because picture. Because she's amazing. Yes. Yes. I absolutely. have that picture. Yes. <laughs> and the thing is, I love that we're still celebrating, regardless if they're inducted or not. My, my whole goal is you are a badass. You've impacted history. You've impacted the way we, just culture in general. 
you are being celebrated in this hall. So that's that's my motto. So we should be looking for the exhibition called Badass Women. Ooh, yes. <laughs> Badass Women. Yes. There we go, Janet. Uh, you heard it here at the podcast. Let's see if you can get that. Yeah. So I actually oh, yeah. do have to give props to Cher because she did get on the bus and yet while she was doing the um, uh, Vegas thing, she actually did go on a world tour. Mm. Um, yeah, she did. And so, you know. We have a, I have a question. Right. I have a question for Janet here. Yo. Hey, Yo. Janet. I'm Hi. just uh, curious about you and your, uh, what I perceive to be a partnership with Jane Scott being the legendary reporter. And I wanted to see how maybe you guys interacted and how you guys may have fed off each other at these shows. Well, uh, <laughs> the cool thing about Jane, Jane was a mentor for me. I was in high school and she had a program called the Young Ohio Reporters. And if you were on a high school newspaper, you could join that. And she would put together press conferences for the high school reporters so that we could learn how to be journalists, like, you know, without drooling on, you know, having a hissy fit because there's a rock star or a TV star in front of us. You know, we were, we were shown how to ask good questions and take good photos and be professional about it. So when I finally became a rock and roll photographer and writer, she was right there and she was so supportive and, um, and often, because she's such a great reporter too, um, we'd get home, she'd, be, she'd go to the plane dealer office on 18th and I'd go home and I'd be watching Late Night with Dev David Letterman or something and answer the phone at one o'clock. Oh, Janet, this is, this is Jane. I hope I'm not waking you. She didn't say her last name? No. She always would call me. Was it Jane Scott? 50 million years. Hi, it's Barry Gable. This is Jane Scott from the plane she dealer. Okay. And then, and then she would, really, she was wonderful, but she was going to get that story before it went to print. She was going to get all the details. So she was on, she was on your call list, huh? Yeah, okay. And, and, and I loved her for that because... Um, Talk about being a professional and just a sweet lady. And you knew her voice. I mean, if yes. anybody through the years, I worked with her for many, many, from 79, 80, and it was the same voice. Barry? Barry? Yeah. And you would know who she was the minute you'd say, and then she had to introduce herself. Jane was an incredible treasure. And to this day, when she retired, we had a party for her at the Odeon. The plain dealer threw this great party yes. for her. Yes, yes. Um, and I told her... We gave her a, a, a pass, a, a, a lifetime pass, that she could come to any show. And from that year, she retired every pass that I have to get a picture of myself. We all get pictures of ourselves for passes. And like my thing with Tina, Jane's on every pass because I say she goes to every show with me to this day. She's on every, every pass that I have. So she's great. She was great. We have a comment here. Yes. How you doing? And thanks, Troy. Um, my name is Neil Hodges, and Barry, I will rival you. If you are a super Tina Turner fan, you better be good to me. I'm a super duper <laughs> Tina Turner fan. I'm so super duper, I had my brother, Lehman, 34 years ago, do a portrait of Tina Turner for a Break Every Rule tour. And wow. Chris Booth worked at Blossom. We took it. Nate Page, I see you over there. I see you big black ball head over there, Nate. Uh, my man, he came and gave us press from the column post. We took it out there as a gift. I thought I'd meet her. Mike, I mean, Chris said that we couldn't go back. We deliberated for a minute. 
We took the painting back, never saw it again. We wanted to gift it to her, but that was our goal. However, when I saw your article, I'm like, damn, this is the time to give my brother some recognition. I fell in love with Tina Turner when I was 10, and that was 47 years ago. I've been rocking those legs every show she came. Blossom, <laughs> Coliseum, um, wherever she came. And so um, I'm just grateful for this moment. And I will add, um, Janet or Mike, from my perspective, Tina, there will never be a comeback ever, in my opinion. She had three things going against her. She was black, she was female, and she was over 40. And she knocked the shit out the park. Yeah, Thank you, my brother. Thanks, Neil. And, 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 and props to your brother. Your brother passed away late. Oh, I thought your brother did the painting. Two of your brothers here. Oh, okay. <laughs> and he sent, I want to say, he sent me, we didn't, he sent me the image of the painting. It's fantastic. So. Okay. I got it. Yeah, they sent it to me. It was fantastic. Does anybody else? Okay, I wish yeah, I did. I wish I Perry has the painting. <laughs> probably Chris Abood has it. I'll get in touch with Chris Abood. He probably has it. How many people have been in three times? Just one. Eric? No. You have it. It is Eric Clapton. Yep. Yeah. How many females have been in twice? So, as you know, like I mentioned earlier, there's three. So, Stevie oh, Nicks it was in Duck. She was the first. Carole and this King. year, Carol King and Tina Turner joined her. Eric yep. Clapton's Eric the only Clapton. one that's been in three times. Neil Young was not included with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, mm -hmm. uh, which may have been a political thing, but, yep. you know. You know. And he's in, he's in solo, I should say, and with Buffalo Springfield, but he's not in. Does anybody else have a question for these guys? All right. We're working towards the front now. I'm, this is perfect. I'm working my way back <laughs> to the stage. That's Go ahead. Frankie Valley. Yeah, I want to say just a comment to, oh, your brother just left. Oh, well, to what he said, Neil, yeah. Neil, I think, I mean, just calling, calling out names as well. I know Tina also paid much respect to Laverne Baker, who was also recently inducted Twiddly D. Okay. I mean, another black woman who had yep. to move overseas just to be a success in, in her realm of music. I mean, and just breaking barriers. So again, calling her name as well. Absolutely love Laverne. So can... Can yeah. I tell my one Laverne Baker? Oh, oh. Yes. She played at the, we used to have concerts called the Moondog Dog Coronation, Coronation Ball. We haven't have, had them for a couple of years. And we need to do that again. Oh, we, we should do. do like, well, it was the, you know, knocked it out for a couple of years, the COVID thing. Um, but everybody, I mean, I was in heaven when I used to shoot those. And Laverne Baker was on the show. And... I mean, we didn't have, we didn't probably didn't have like the Google stuff, so I would would was caught off guard that she was in a wheelchair and had had both of her legs amputated. Yep. She had. Um, come on. <laughs> Diabetes, and I think that that's what happened. But you never saw a more loving, happy woman. She came out and did her three songs, like you know. Uh, Jim Dandy and yeah, with such joy. And afterwards, um, I think it was Denny Sanders had had asked for a photo with her, and 
and she said, it would be my pleasure, grabbed him by the hand and did that. And I, I'm, I, I said, you know, I, I, I just, I love you because these are voices that, that I grew up with, plus you never thought you'd have the opportunity to see them in person. And she signed an autograph for me, but she always thanked the person who asked her for an autograph or a picture. And she had such joy, and it just, it was so impressive to see this woman um, who really was amongst the first that had these monster hits on Atlantic Records, I'm pretty sure. Um, So she grew that label, uh, apart from Ruth Brown, it was, yeah, it was Laverne Baker, and and what a monster talent, and and what a sweet, sweet lady, so. I, one more thing, I'm sorry, I keep saying. Go ahead, go ahead. But truly, tell us who's inducting Jay-Z now. We get no more info. I am not doing that one. No, I'm not. You're not going to be caught on tape here. I know we're recording. No, but truly, but truly, while this is recording, I do want to say it's just continuing the gratitude and extension of that to read your work, to see your work, to feel your work. This shit is so dope. Like, I'm just sitting on a stage with legends. We're in a room with icons right now. You guys are just so amazing. So thank you to have your work at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Like these photos, if you come through, like I've hand selected amazing new Janet photos that we have throughout the, um, throughout the museum. So thank you so much. Like this, this shit means a lot. So thanks. (laughs) It's, it's my pleasure. And you know, anything you need, what is it? 47 years worth of, of photographic work. Um, and little stories like Laverne Baker. I mean, those are the things that keep me going. Um, I want to, you know, as we get set to close this out, I don't know if you said this, Barry, but, you know, in your time with Belk, did you get to meet Tina? No, I didn't. I met, um, I met Roger, because Roger was ma- manager for a lot of different people. I've met Roger, but I never did get the opportunity. Otherwise, I may not be here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there, we did a lot of shows that year. It was like, it just like I said, it was every, uh, you know, you never really bothered the artists. You didn't right. really want to do that. There, yeah. To this day, there are certain bands that I just adore. They're my favorites. And I've never had, you know, I just didn't have the balls to say, come on, can I get a picture I with know, you? Right. You just don't do that. I don't want to do just, that. Yeah, no. uh, if, it, yeah. if something were to happen and that occurs, that's fabulous. Because, listen, I'm a freaking Instagram whore. And yeah. I, I love to... <laughs> Take pictures with people, everything, but 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 it just you know if it happens, it's got to be organic, and that's yes, the way it is. It always has to be organic with the exhibits. I mean, they have to be organic. Yeah, you just don't do that. There's a but level of respect. I, the music is spiritual. Like I, yeah. besides Tina, and, and you heard this before, uh, where I was preaching for the last number of years. You know, I sort of got on my high horse. Why shouldn't you know? She should have been the first mm-hmm. woman inducted. Yada yada yada. Yeah. Anyway, but I was really pleased, quite honestly, for for Todd because. Not only as a performer, and forget about just being here. If you look into what he had his hands in between the band and Hall & Oates and all these incredible artists that he basically produced. He was spinning the dials. Um, Meatloaf, right? Meatloaf. Amazing, amazing work that we all listen to and some people don't even know. Uh, One thing that that Troy also uh, brought up in his article, if you read... um, Private Dancer. I don't know if you know this, but Mark Knopfler wrote that song. Can't you feel that? Same as Telegraph Road, where it sort of moves into a story. And it, I mean, that's what he's so great at telling stories in his in writing. But 
I'm glad that you gave him some props. That's well, it's even yeah. when you do research, you look back, it's, it shocks you at first, but then it makes sense, like you yeah. said, when you break yeah. down the song. But thankfully, Todd, uh, Todd is in. There's a guy that we work with um, uh, in Live Nation Global who literally almost went fisticuffs at the Beyonce Jay-Z tour with Greg Harris. Um, a guy named Jerry Barrett, who literally had, I have pictures of them arguing with one another about, you better put Todd in the rock hall. You better oh put Todd God. in the rock hall. And Greg will remember that, because I sent them the picture of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Greg Harris in the rock hall. Yeah. Was Who's that? inducting Todd Rundgren? Do we know? You know, I don't uh, know. I hope it's Robbie Robertson, or it's Daryl Hall, maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know He's been so detached. He's been so detached from the induction that, you know... But, you it's know, besides that, I think just what Barry said, that's a drop-the-mic moment. Like, you still have to put some respect on his name, period. Like, I, I mean, thought you were talking about drop-the-mic, him fighting no. Greg Harris, this Oh, guy. God. <laughs> it, it, that could happen. He has photos. I mean, there are photos. <laughs> now, even though he doesn't care about it, and there's a lot of the artists that'll say that. Right. I, but, but until it happens, you, come on, Trent Reznor. Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. I mean, Trent Reznor for the longest. Right. I mean, there was a whole article, what, six right. months before it right. happened, and then the cure, and then his whole heart right. changed. And not, No, so I, I hope that his heart will change, and he will be here in Cleveland, like you said. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll give him some time. We love Todd. We love he, Todd. He has family here also. His son, son, is, a, yeah. his son is a baseball coach here in town. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He loves Cleveland. You know, I interviewed him, and he said he loves Cleveland. Beautiful. Uh, despite all his things about the Rock Hall, he yeah. looks forward to coming here, him and his band, every time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the thing about Todd, which is great, and if you, I'm sure everybody, some here have seen him, you get what you get with him. If, you, if you're true. thinking you're going to see hits... And you don't get hits, and you're getting an acapella concert yeah. with him. Yeah. Tough shit. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's gonna do the show that he wants to do. He, that he wants that to disco do. show that he did a couple of years ago. We at, did. At, we did one of the people rock, yeah. at the Roxino, and and you never know. And he came out just with a guitar and a and a uh, computer, and he just like went through a bunch of songs and people are yelling out the Todd hits, and he's hello going the, hello again. Yeah, and yeah. he's going. And right. and I, I shot my three songs and I went back to, to edit the photos and I hear, I am the god of hell's fire. And I, it was, you know, the crazy world of Arthur Brown. And I'm going, what? <laughs> so that's I just ran I back know, out there. Why, yeah. that's why I, I mean, it was a one-hit wonder song and it was just, okay, this is Todd. And, and some of the audience were not too pleased. And but, that's rock and roll. So and that's rock and roll. And that's, rock and and that's roll. Todd. And that's Todd. Well, I want to welcome you to Cleveland. We, yeah. Waka and yeah. I have been on, on Zoom calls for the last year and a half. This is our first time meeting in real life. Oh, and we've been on Zoom yes. calls with Tri-C and yes. some uh, other stuff that we've done. I know, right? But, uh, but I want to tell one, one, one little factoid on Waka, which, which gained me enormous respect before oh. I, I even met you. When she was at the Grammy Museum, she went there and she worked absolutely every single job there was, from selling tickets to, I mean, everything. And that's, 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 that's how you learn how, yeah. And so it's, it's, it's beautiful that someone goes through that process and, and by osmosis and by just working hard, you, you gain all the knowledge and the skills that you need to get to this place. So thank you for being thank here. Thank you, Janet. I love that. And I know, like, 
Michael, at one point, you know, you're editing this global classic rock site now. You were the calendar editor at one point for Scene, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, just those humble beginnings in Cleveland and now, you know, managing. Uh, listen, I want to thank you guys. Let's give it up for the panel for coming out. Thank all of you for coming to honor Tina and to look forward to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Anybody who doesn't have tickets, they just re-release. Rockhall.com. I'm telling. I just gave you guys the, the, you know, that was the inside scoop right there. Yeah, so, I don't, yeah. I don't know if some of that's been announced. <laughs> you know, so, and when I'll be getting a call tomorrow to edit the podcast. Oh when when Walker mentions like um, obstructive view, it's not like obstructive view at the music hall where they'd stack speakers up and if you were sitting on the side. But yeah, not It's those. really just a boom mic, probably, or yes. boom, a boom camera that really comes boom. in and out. And so that's not really obstructive. It's really honestly. not. Yeah, it's an, it's an occasional boom. Here yeah. I go as the chorus. Occasional yeah. boom, guys. Uh, but thank you guys so much. You, we're going to edit the podcast, release it, CLE Rocks, on all major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, whatever. We'll have this episode up tomorrow. Um, on Tina Turner, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank you guys so much. Thanks. Yeah. CLE Rocks is a product of Cleveland.com. For more episodes, check us out on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting platform. And please leave a review. I'm Troy L. Smith. Until next time.